Welcome to the Digital Transformation Podcast. Interviews with best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives all driving today's digital success. This is the show that will help you take advantage of digital transformation to build your business and career. I'm your host, Kevin Crane, and I'm so pleased that you're listening. Our guest today is Jared Newman. Jared is the Chief Technology Officer at Flowforma. Flowforma is a company offering a no-code development platform for process automation that empowers business people to digitize processes in-house and to unlock serious advantages and competitive savings with an easy-to-use no-code process automation tool. And that's what we're here to discuss today, how to govern no-code process automation initiatives. So, Jared, welcome to the program. Now, using a no-code approach to application development upsets the normal way of working with IT resources and traditional coding with business users and process owners leading development efforts instead. What are the key considerations we should all be aware of when using a no-code approach? Yeah, sure. Well, listen, first of all, thanks very much. I'm delighted to be here. Um, I think that's an interesting question. Um, Overall, business users and process owners um, taking the lead on developing their own applications has been a feature of the operations environment for quite a while. So I'm sure you've seen situations where business users have built out complex models or applications using things like Excel or some other other tools like Access. So this end-user computing approach solved a problem for business operations, but at the same time, it created a risk for the business. Mm. So these applications were built outside the usual IT controls, and therefore they may be unsportable, and particularly if the original author of the application leaves the organization. In this situation, you end up with an application that's critical to the business, that cannot be maintained and further developed. And because of this, CIOs and CTOs were not keen on the whole end-user computing approach. However, that position is very different today. So CIOs and CTOs realize that they simply do not have the IT resources required to meet the massive demand from business managers for custom applications. So they realize that the tech-savvy and motivated um, citizen developers who are scattered throughout their business need to be harnessed to allow the organization to achieve its digital transformation goals. So the challenge then becomes, how do you enable citizen developers while at the same time governing what they do so that the risks can be managed? So governance can mean lots of different things to different organizations. But I think fundamentally, it means that you're giving citizen developers a framework that they can work within, a framework that allows them gather requirements, iteratively build and refine their applications in a development environment. It allows them to test a way, I suppose, a means of testing their applications in conjunction with the business and a way of maintaining those applications to keep them current and address any issues that are are found within them. And finally, uh, a way of supporting those applications so they can ensure that the business continue to use them and do so in an efficient way. Now, with no code, is there any IT involvement at all? Yeah, we get asked this question a bit because it really depends on the organization and uh, their overall approach. So in general, IT departments have lots of skills and experience in particular that citizen developers can actually benefit from. So in some organizations, we see hybrid teams being set up, which consist of citizen developers, but also professional IT developers. 
with the IT developers potentially taking responsibility for doing things like building out standard integration mechanisms, but also for coaching the citizen developers on how you go about designing and building applications in a reliable way, and also coaching them on how those applications can be deployed and how they can actually be maintained. So that's one type of organization. In other organizations, we see IT playing primarily a review role um, where they're looking at applications that have been put together by citizen developers and reviewing them to ensure they meet security standards, data management standards, and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But I think the key thing is that um, there is a role for IT in no-code development projects, and that is going to vary from organization to organization, and it is up to each organization to work out its best approach. But the most successful projects are where you have IT and citizen developers working hand-in-hand with IT doing some of the very heavy technical listing, lifting and the citizen developers doing, doing the build-out of the actual business application. In that way, it's the best of both worlds, really. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And yeah. so you're getting the benefit of experience and you're also getting the accelerated uh, application um, creation and deployment that you get with Code. Let's talk about application. In what ways are you seeing no-code being used and deployed today? And how should our listeners look to leverage the advantages? So we see more and more um, no-code platforms coming to the market. Um, Some of these are actually becoming quite specialized to handle very specific tasks or operations within an organization. But overall, um, I suppose we would see no code being deployed in lots of different sectors. There's no one particular sector that we would say is using it way more than any other. So it's something that is an initiative in most sectors and in most types of organizations at this stage. It really depends on how they're trying to drive their digital transformation initiatives. Um, It particularly suits organizations that have overloaded IT departments or organizations simply don't have or cannot get specialized IT skills. Um, In relation to sectors, as I said, we're not seeing any particular sector being more prevalent than others. However, from our point of view, um, around the process automation um, approach that we have, we would see construction as being a sector that is um, more uh, active at the moment. And that's down to, I think, the continued investment in technology in that sector and also um, a desire to speed up the way that they run a lot of their process, because in many ways it is a process-driven industry. Do you see adoption rates being different with smaller startup organizations uh, versus larger enterprise organizations? Yeah, I think uh, smaller organizations tend to jump in and start using the tools. Larger organizations spend a bit more time actually evaluating various options that are available to them and the platforms that are there. But across the board, we see organizations of all sizes using no-code approaches. And they do understand that it is a way of um, increasing the overall productivity and removing the workload to a certain extent from those overloaded IT professionals. Do you want to be a guest on the Digital Transformation Podcast? Well, it could happen when you join our Knowledge Leadership Circle. Tell us about your ideas and advice. What technologies and solutions do you recommend? And how can our listeners benefit from your approach? Be a guest. Find out more at digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash guest. We are speaking with Jared Newman, Chief Technology Officer at Flowforma. Flowforma offers a no-code platform, uh, a no-code development platform for process automation. 
You can find out more at flowforma.com. Now, Jared, what are some of the best practices? We're here to talk about how to govern a no-code process automation initiative. So from your point of view, what are some of the best practices to do that, to govern and lead a no-code process automation initiative? Is there a process or a model that I should follow as a project lead? Yeah, well, I think uh, like um, traditional IT projects, I think, well, I suppose really any project, one of the key things is, is planning. So what you're trying to do is make sure that you're clear at the outset of what goals and objectives you actually have. And then being clear with all the stakeholders, the deliverables that you're going to provide, and also then looking at the responsibilities of the team and the risks that are associated with that. So that's just kind of traditional project management type approach. And I don't think no-code projects uh, differ in, in that respect. However, where they do start to differ is that they can allow very rapid development. So I think organizations can very much follow this model and embrace it. So that what this means is it enables uh, an iterative approach to application development, where an application is developed in increments. And at each stage of that process, you can involve the business users in reviewing those increments. So this allows them to give their feedback, which in turn influences the direction that the application is being developed in and ensures that it meets the original requirements. And it also helps with the overall change management associated with introducing an application. So that's one thing I'd say. And another thing just is the, there's a concept that's been, uh, that we use around uh, the minimum viable product. And this is important as well in a no code environment because changes can be made quickly and easily. So it's often tempting to keep changing and trying to perfect things. And in this case, really um, perfection is the enemy of progress. So what you really need to do is, um, have agreement up front as to what you're expecting or what the minimum viable product is coming out of your application development initiative. And when you reach that, start rolling it out. Because once you roll it out, you're going to be getting a lot more valid feedback. And you can then incorporate that in the application. And it's a much better approach than waiting until everything is absolutely perfect. So get it out there and see what feedback you're actually getting. And just one final point on this is that when you get into a no-code environment, people um, can sometimes skimp on the overall testing of an application. And it really is important that this is carried out to ensure the application is performing as you expect and is reliable. Um, The main reason uh, is just to make sure that there isn't a moment of disappointment for the user base when you initially roll out the application and there's problems with it. So in summary, I'd say an approach is plan things out, which you would do traditionally, Embrace the whole iterative and incremental approach and know when enough enough is enough by having a clearly defined minimum viable product. And finally, uh, don't forget the testing. As you're talking, I'm thinking things like objectives, planning, testing, managing the change. These are all parts of project management that if you're in an IT environment, you may take maybe not for granted, but as part of the normal process. But if I'm a business a business user, a, pro, a process owner, I may not have that background or experience. So another good argument for being cooperative, having a cooperative effort between IT and business owners, even in a no-code environment. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of really about the transfer of the skills and the value that uh, IT professionals can build, can bring to these no-code initiatives because they have that experience. And the methods and techniques that are used in professional IT departments have built up over years. 
um, and have you know been through various changes themselves. So it's great to be able to leverage that experience with these projects. Yeah. Now, no code enables a great number of process improvement and innovation possibilities, but I still need to get support and buy-in for the change. And our listeners often tell us that getting that support and buy-in is often a more difficult hurdle to overcome than even the technology involved. What is your advice for our listeners who may be struggling to get the support and adoption they need? You're absolutely right. So managing change is key. Um, But potentially with no code applications, the opportunities there to actually make changes very quickly and over a wide area. And as a result, the level of change that you have to manage might be greater. But at the same time, uh, with the no-code approach, recruiting citizen developers from key business areas can really help you manage that change. So these people understand the overall processes, the drivers, the environment that the business is actually operating in, and they can bring that to bear on application development. And traditional IT projects often struggle with this because you've effectively got people coming from different backgrounds with different technical experiences trying to understand a business and get up to speed with what those environmental factors are. So having somebody who's building the application who understands that can really help overcome some of those barriers to change. And I think the iterative approach is also really key here. So if you can involve the business stakeholders in reviewing each iteration and then making adjustments quickly to reflect their feedback, there's a much better sense of ownership within the business. They don't feel there's an application being pushed on them. Instead, they feel that they've been a key part in actually building it out. So that really helps with rollout and adoption. So the final point I make there is um, that when you deliver an application, that's that's not the end of the journey. Um, You have to support it. You have to look after it. You have to maintain it. You have to make sure that it's continually fit for purpose and, and fits the business need. So you need to make sure that those kind of things are in place. So once business communities start seeing that you're investing in those things, that you have an approach, that they take a sense of ownership, that you are going to look after the application, that they lower the barriers to change. And and I suppose differentiate no-code projects sometimes from traditional IT projects where the business can often feel they only have input at certain points in the overall process. Part of getting the support and buy-in that I need is justifying the investment, uh, demonstrating the ROI. Are no-code initiatives less expensive? And and if so, how do I, as a business owner or project lead, uh, business process owner, how do I demonstrate that ROI? Yeah, well, I think overall, because the lead time to actually implement a project and because of the iterative approach where you can quickly get something there and then improve it, you actually start benefiting from automation and transformation much quicker than with traditional IT projects. So what we do in terms of trying to assess that ROI is look at the 2B situation, what the, uh, sorry, look at the as-is situation, look at the 2B situation, look at the difference between those and how quickly we can actually achieve the 2B situation. So I think no code can give you a much better return on your, your investment in a shorter period of time. Let's talk about application a little bit. Can you give us an example of one organization or one use case that has been particularly successful using a no-code approach? What did they do? What were the results and how can we do it too? Yeah, sure. So um, one organization that uh, you might be interested in is the um, Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. So they were facing similar issues 
similar pains to a lot of other organizations where they really wanted to automate their processes. They needed to digitize their business to a greater extent than they had done. But they had an IT department which had limited resources. And even though the IT department were working on helping them automate their processes, it wasn't making the kind of progress that they needed to make. And there were always different priorities and distractions. So they decided to try an alternative approach. And with IT's cooperation, they selected Flowforma as a no-code platform. But what they did is they kind of very much embraced it and they trained eight people up. So they had a, a, a group of citizen developers who, who were capable of using the product. And then what they did is they deployed those people to automate the first couple of processes. So this was actually done very quickly. And they then rolled those out to the business. But when other parts of the business started to see the impact that those had had and how quickly the change had been achieved, there was a greater demand then for more automation. So the, the, the team of eight citizen developers within 22 months ended up digitizing 120 processes. So that is a fundamental transformation of an organization in quite a short period of time. So they did that with the cooperation of IT, but really without relying on IT to deliver that change. They were able to do that within the business using their citizen developers. So that sort of level of change across an organization with more traditional IT projects would take a considerable amount of time longer than what it, what it took at Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. So I think that that kind of concept of collaborating between the business IT and the citizen developers really affected a fundamental change in that organization. You're listening to the Digital Transformation Podcast. We are speaking with Jared Newman, Chief Technology Officer at Flowforma, about how to govern no-code process automation initiatives. You can find him and find out more at flowforma.com. Now, Jared, we have reached the action item round of the show. I'm wondering if you could please provide us with three quick action items that our listeners can do to begin to take advantage of your ideas and advice. Yeah, sure. So I, I, there's, uh, there's quite a few points, I suppose, you could make here, but maybe three things to, to look at are as you embrace the whole concept of citizen developers and no-code projects, establishing a governance framework, um, however simple it is, from the beginning uh, and using it then to ensure that the, your citizen developer initiatives all across the organization follow the same pattern, I think can be really beneficial. And it allows you to establish something that people can contribute to and change and adjust over time. So that's one thing. I think um, identifying those citizen developers that are already in your organization is a good idea and training them up. So, Training them not only means training them in the tool set, but also in the project techniques and uh, best practices that we spoke about previously. So what this does is it gives you a resource in your organization that allows you to uh, continue on your digital transformation journey. And the other thing I'd say is do involve IT uh, from the start. IT are much more aware of no-code uh, initiatives that are going on now. And it is beneficial if you involve them from the start. They can often point you to some of the techniques they use or some of the technologies that they use to do things like integration. So it really is beneficial to involve them from the start. I can really enhance the productivity. Well, Jared, it's been great speaking with you today. We're almost out of time. But before I let you go, one last question. What should executives and business owners, all of us really, be thinking about now and strategizing for today in order to be prepared for the world in five years' time? 
yeah, that of that obviously focusing in around the no code area. Um, I think um, the we're going to see more no code and low code platforms proliferating over the next five years, and I think many organisations will end up using different platforms for different purposes. So I think in preparation for that, CIOs, CTOs should be thinking about how they organize and enable their citizen developers with governance frameworks or guardrails. That's one thing. I think a second thing I'd say is that citizen developer skill set will become more universally recognized over the next five years. And organizations will need to ensure that they have access to the skill set internally. They can start preparing for that now by identifying their citizen developers, the ones that are ready in their organization, and making sure that they have the skills and support them in their journey and education. They can also look out for that skill when they're hiring new people so they can recruit people who have already got experience working as citizen developers in other organizations and then use their experience to help kickstart their own initiatives. That is Jared Newman, Chief Technology Officer at Flowforma. Check out Flowforma for an easy-to-use, no-code process automation tool. Jared, thank you so much for being our guest today on the Digital Transformation Podcast. Thank you very much indeed. That'll do it for this episode of the Digital Transformation Podcast. But join me next time when I continue to talk to best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives, all driving today's digital success. And I'll talk to you next time on the Digital Transformation Podcast. <laughs>